Hello, and welcome to Chasing Chalamet, a formerly bi-weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, a semi-socially functional Timothy Chalamet expert, and a special guest deep dive into the filmography, and in this case, the screen presence, the televisionography? Is there a word for that that I don't know right now? Maybe. We'll look at it later. Uh, and the screen work of the one, the only, Timothy Hal Chalamet. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about episode four, season 49 of NBC's variety sketch series, Saturday Night Live. We're going to cover our thoughts, our feelings, our critiques, whatever it is we want to say about this little episode of television, Timmy Tim's second appearance on SNL. Uh, how was his performance? How were the roles he played? How was he functioning in the story? Was he was he you know, normally I ask was he cast well in a movie in this case was this a good time for him to do snl to host again what did his participation in this episode of snl bring to the table then on a scale from one to five peaches we are going to together grade the episode in different categories the quality of the episode timmy's performance his attractiveness and most importantly his hair now that we've got all of that out of the way. I am so excited to introduce today's returning guest. She joined us the last time Timothy hosted SNL. In the interim, we've actually met IRL and she's accomplished so many incredible things. So excited to welcome New York Times bestselling author, host of the Financial Feminist podcast and founder of her first 100K. Please welcome my friend, Tori Dunlap. Hi, Tori. Hi, thanks for having me back. This is always my favorite podcast to appear on because Ugh. I love talking to me. I love that you say that where you literally have a podcast where you teach millions and millions of people about financial feminism and financial expertise and destroying the patriarchy. And yet here you are gracing us with your presence on the Timothy Chalamet Thirstathon, as I like to refer to it. None of that is as important as the curls that we're about to analyze. So I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> I have I have to agree with you on that one. I am I am at the forefront of the fight for financial feminism, but we do occasionally have to take a step back and talk about Timothy Chalamet's hair, if we're being honest. Yes. Have we have you discussed yet on the show him and Kylie? Have we have we talked about that yet? No, we haven't covered it just because I guess, first of all, and this is by no means like a rule or a law that I created with the show, because um, this is by no means um, a locked and set structured forum. This is a this is literally a podcast about Timothy Chalamet. I could almost make it into anything I want as long as I can somehow tangentially relate it to him. I think I know what you're going to say, though. <laughs> I do pride myself on this being semi like cultural critique and like about yep. the films. However, because we don't get to release episodes very often anymore, because I've really covered all the bases when it comes to his movies, and you know, I haven't been on mic talking about Timothy in almost a year now, because the last time we did an episode was for Bones and All, which you and I had a very fun phone call after, by yes. the way. Um, no, I, I think let's 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 get into all of it. Let's talk about where he's at. You know, what's going on? Because yes, uh, Kylie was at the after party. I believe Chris Jenner posted about Timothy posting on her story. So yeah, I say I say it's all on the table. Let's let's get into it. Well, and if maybe you haven't talked about him in a year, it's like a lot's happened in the world of Timothee Chalamet. Yeah, we had another GQ interview that I think was pretty substantial. Uh, mm -hmm. Those happen, I think, every year now, and that's really fun to see. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we have this very uh incredibly titillating announcement that uh he is not only dating somebody but dating probably one of the most powerful 
strategic, uh, influential women on the planet, which yes. is just kind of wild. Publicly in a way that he has not dated somebody before. Yeah, it feels... I was about to relate it to like Taylor Swift's Travis Kelsey, but it kind of feels like I was that. thinking about that too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like very, I don't know if unapologetic is the right word, but it just feels very, very out there. Yeah. To put it in, in Swift terms, it's really like kind of no fucks given era. Like it's kind of, yeah. I know. I, and I was going to ask because, so you did see Beyonce at SoFi, correct? Yes. I was not there the night he was. Okay. No, unfortunately, right. I missed yeah. him by like two days and we had a whole meltdown and my team sure I missed him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we had, you know, for those who remember a very like public canoodling of those mm-hmm. two in like the VIP tent at Beyonce's yeah. concert. And was that September? So yeah, and yeah. it's, it's kind of, I would say divided the fandom like there was some I mean, there was a, a news storm, it, like it, I think it hit like the mainstream media with the and I'm sorry to name names here within the fandom community but with like the club Chalamet of it all like it hit it hit the zeitgeist there for a second it was big oh I mean there were like the today show was covering it and I think yeah. I mean if you date any Kardashian Jenner like that's kind of the, the what's gonna happen there's tons yeah. of people who are saying it's a PR relationship and it's like for whom for whom is the PR like <laughs> I don't yeah, know. like which which one of them is like struggling in the PR department? Like who is this benefiting really if it's yeah. not real? Yeah. And I think um I, I of course don't know this person in real life. <laughs> it's not my favorite pairing I've ever seen, if I'm being sure. honest. But if he and she are happy and healthy and great, like I don't get to have Absolutely. A, an opinion about two random strangers' lives. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And he's a private person. And I by no means am like saying that in the sense that like we can't speculate about his private life because there I think there is a certain um, shade to celebrity that that always kind yeah. of comes with. Um, and that is obviously not me saying that celebrities aren't entitled to their private lives. I just think that this is what celebrity culture is really all about when you get into it. And as long as you're discussing it in a respectful way, it's totally yep. fine. Um, the point I was going to bring up is at first I was a little taken aback. And then I kind of stepped back and I thought, Okay, this is a man who we know has dated Madonna's daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter. Like, the dating of nepotism babies is not exactly outside of his lane. So while I do think the Kardashian is on, the Kardashian Jenner of it all is on another level, like, this isn't, this isn't, like, absolutely out of left field for him. No, and I feel like he has, at least his, like, public persona is two very distinct versions where you have, especially in, like, early career, you have the anxious won't make eye contact like you know that's timmy you Mm -hmm. and then you have like almost frat boy little timmy tim timote (laughs) that you know has uh many unconfirmed but speculated rumors about his brief time at nyu and like (laughs) and we all know the rumor i'm referring to but like i think very tempting to look at this relationship and be like this doesn't make sense at all if you're just looking at like soft boy Timmy yep. versus like frat boy energy mm-hmm. that he often exudes on the other side. <laughs> right. Yeah. We all need to like take a reality check and remember that like this is a like very young, very successful, attractive man in his mid twenties and he is going to act like it. Oh yeah. And we had what Isa Gonzalez there for a second and that brief interaction. And there's been some mm-hmm. you know, others that have had rumors. And so, Again, happy, healthy, fine. At first, a little shocking, but then it it kind of makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. Do I think it's like gonna last? No. Do I think no, they both no. like do they both think it's gonna last? No. They're having some fun. They're two hot people who are famous and rich and successful. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. Yeah, to bring it to something <laughs> I think someone made this joke last year. Um, d- did you see the movie After Sun, Tori, with Paul no, Mescal? No, Paul Mescal. Op- no. Yeah. Um, so in that movie, he plays a single father. It was my favorite movie last year. His performance is incredible. I am like Paul Mescal Stan number one. Yeah. There were all these jokes about how like Paul Mescal, even though he is younger than Timothy Chalamet, like makes sense as a father. But then like if you were to put Timothy in that role or have Timothy play a father, it's like that man does not have children. Like that doesn't. That doesn't make sense. And yet here he is dating Kylie Jenner, who has two children, which I just find very, very funny. Yeah, that's the thing I keep uh, that keeps breaking my brain as I'm like stepdad energy. Like, I don't think so. Yeah, stepdad Chalamet. That's a bridge too far. Like daddy. Yes. Dad. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. Those are different things. Father. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are totally on the same page. And Tori, I think if, if nothing else. Um, if, uh, and neither of these things will happen because we're, we both are far too smart and successful. If HFK were to ever crash and burn and I had nothing else to do, we could absolutely start the Timothy Chalamet relationship podcast. And then that would be our meal ticket. A hundred percent. Awesome. Well, let's, let's dive into the episode, which we have both watched again. We're covering Timmy's second time hosting SNL. Tori, let's go sketch by sketch and just kind of break down our thoughts and feelings. So we'll kind of just touch on the ones Timmy doesn't appear in just to kind of give ourselves an overview of the episode. And then obviously we'll dig a little bit deeper into kind of the stuff that he does. Yep. But yeah, so starting starting with the cold open, I mean, this is like, even if, again, even as two people who don't watch SNL, like this was a pretty straight down the middle political sketch. Um yeah, I think this was my first time not seeing uh, someone who we will bring up later in the episode, Alec Baldwin, play Trump. So that was interesting. Um, don't know the name of the guy who played Trump. James Austin Johnson is the cast member, I believe, who plays Trump. Love it. Love it. He, I thought he was good. I liked the premise of the sketch. I thought that um, it was funny how he kept breaking the fourth wall to talk about how, like, Ego's tired of playing vivek ramaswamy you know just like you know some they, i loved the bit about not like hiring like paul rudd to uh play desantis because even snl doesn't think he's gonna be anyone moving forward um yeah i mean it was just a kind of a straight down the middle cold open i didn't think it was anything to cry home about but you know i laughed a couple times thought it was fun some good impressions some topical stuff um yeah but you know the whole time i was kind of like well, let's get to the good part like let's get to the chalamet what were what were your thoughts on the cold open tori I'm gonna be honest. I didn't even watch it because I knew it didn't have Timmy in it. I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm here for really one thing and one thing only, and I don't have time to watch the sketch. It doesn't have him at this current juncture. So, yeah, I didn't even watch it. <laughs> yep. Nope. And that I think that is fine. Let's get to the monologue. So first things first. He looked great. Looked great. Oh. I. God, I don't know if he's he's looked better. Like it honest, like why am I getting a little teary? He looks so good. Like yeah, he looks I mean, so just bound, bounding down those stairs. Like I love is I feel like this is kind of becoming one of his like signature looks, which is this like boot with a pant and like the open shirt with the jacket, like a big statement jacket, and that's kind of the thing. And I loved that like gold pattern jacket. He just he looked so so good the hair was herring he was excited to be there um yeah i mean his energy just he just lights up a room and that's why we love him he just he just he brings that 
that aw shucks and not even shucks that's too midwestern he's he's too east coast to say shucks but you know just that like you know i mean i i, I don't want to get to it too early but it's like the energy chloe Feynman brings in her impression of him that just like no nah, man no nah, man like he just nah, man, nah. Uh, just irradiate he radiates it shout out to our girl jamie on the grooming job she never messes yeah fantastic no. yeah and i think when he's in new york like it's just the coolest thing to think about like I imagine I did not grow up in New York, but like I understand the cultural significance of SNL as just an American. I can't even mm-hmm. imagine what it would feel like to host the show as a New Yorker. Like, and I think you could tell that energy from the moment he walked out of just like, I think the first time they're either, was there a no audience or like very, very few people with COVID? Like, I'm yeah, trying to remember. Yeah, yeah. I'm remembering like scattered, spaced out people. And yeah, yeah. the energy was definitely different. Yeah, so really, like, in many ways, this is almost his first true SNL experience of, like, mm-hmm. actually getting the crowd, like, it feeling less, yeah, just less COVID-y. So you could tell from the moment he walked out, like, I just had this feeling of, like, oh, that's a fucking New Yorker hosting mm-hmm. this very yeah, New like York home, show. Like, hometown, home home turf yep. advantage thing going on. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally, totally agree. Did you... Did you see his one promo where he like goes in and like does the whole yeah and he's like nah they're fumigating he's like it's okay I'm from New York like I just yeah I love that just like New York boy energy like it's so it's so infectious and so part of why I think we love him yeah and you could tell he was excited to be there but I don't feel like he had the same nerves as the first time like I think that mm-hmm. it like did him a service to come back and actually have this feel maybe like the first time but he had already done it so it was like cool, I'm coming out. I've done this before. I know what I'm doing, but I get to enjoy it now rather than be mm-hmm. stressed out about it. Yeah. No sweat on the brow, just there to have fun and, and have a good time. Yeah. And, and obviously I don't think anyone listening wouldn't know this, but just to, to cover it, the SAG strike did end two days before this episode aired. Got so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Suffice it to say SAG strike does not impede on SNL production. However, when guests host, if obviously if they were to promote their work their movies name those things that would be in violation of the the sag strike guidelines so yeah i was going in kind of like okay well he's by being there it's not that he's directly promoting but like we all really like we all knew wonka was coming out like we know that this is what's going on so i was really curious to see how they'd handle it and then of course strike ended so now i'm like okay now i'm curious to see how they take what they've written and now morph that and i think the monologue was very indicative of that i think the mon- and, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way. It just, it felt like, okay, they'd written a monologue and then the SAG strike ended. So they were kind of like, oh shit, we have this great baby face rap. And how are we going to like bring Wonka into the beginning of it? Which I thought worked really well. I, I loved kind of the beginning with the pure imaginations, you know, shameless, shameless self-promotion song. I thought that was really cute. Um, I love that his voice was just like a little warbly. He, you know, he just was, this is jumping in. Like it was, I, yeah, it just, it felt very like, you know, we we haven't, you know, obviously we haven't seen Wonka yet. He's sung on film, but not extensively. Um, this really felt like the Timothy that we know from like the YouTube videos performing in high school. Sweet charity. Yeah, <laughs> really throwback. Yeah, I think clearly this was two monologues. Even the New York yep. Times covered it like that. It was like, we had a monologue pre-strike, which was the babyface monologue. And then it was like, oh, great. We get to promote again. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, again, I put my marketing brain on. Like, he got very lucky. The studios got very lucky. Wonka got lucky. Dune got lucky that he was able to, like, 
shamelessly self-promote and then of course make the joke about it about like how now I can now I can do this um right yeah it did very distinctly feel like two separate monologues which again I think all of us have a little bit of grace for because it you know it was very clear why that happened and I think they put it together as seamlessly as they could even if it did Mm -hmm. feel a little disjointed totally agree um, yeah, I loved the baby face rap. I mean, I think I did too. this is going to kind of, I'm going to show my hand for my thoughts on the episode overall. I love when Timmy gets to be Timmy. And again, I'm coming to that as someone who's watching for him. And that's not saying I'm not looking forward to him in the sketches, because obviously that's what SNL is. That's what we're here to watch. But like, and he is an actor, obviously. Um, but it's kind of the fun and joy of like watching him do an interview or watching him on a late night show. Like, we're watching him be him. So, like, I was excited for the monologue. I was excited for any time he was just kind of going to be himself, even if it's just introducing Boy Genius or The Good Nights. Like, that's what we're kind of here and excited for. So, in a lot of ways, I do think that even though it's the top of the show, like, the monologue is the thing I'm most excited for because he sort of gets to do it all. He's obviously monologuing. He's being himself. He, to, to your point, he's the New York boy, hometown hero. Yeah, and I just, I thought it was great. I thought it just addressed everything that people, you know, about the baby face of it all, but the swagger, I mean, to go back to the Kylie Jenner thing of it all, it's like, oh, right, like, this is the guy who can bag Kylie Jenner. Like, now I see it. Now I get it. And apparently she was also in the crowd as well. She oh. Yeah. She her man's on. I saw a TikTok of a woman who got her seat booted for the Kardashians, <gasps> oh which is a God. whole other thing. And, like, nobody right. checked it. But... Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, it was exactly the kind of monologue that I think is perfect for him, but also sets the tone for the rest of the episode. And even like I check the YouTube comments on it and I just love seeing people just feel like, wow, this seems like a really genuine guy. Mm-hmm. We know from Jump and we know from last episode, there's no way this man is getting through any sketch without laughing. Like we know that, <laughs> which I again, I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, but like, Sometimes I hate it. Sometimes, like, I hate when guests break. I mean, I don't hate it when he does. Obviously, I'm biased, but I find it more endearing rather than Mm -hmm. annoying. Yeah, even in in this rap, which, you know, had some honestly pretty fire lines. I've watched it two or three times. And I'm like, some of this, like, actually slaps. I feel like other than, like, not really Smoke Cheddar the Ass Ghetto, which we'll talk about in a second. That's not really (laughs) Timmy Tim. This was Timmy Tim. This was Lil Timmy Tim. Absolutely. That was Lil Timmy Tim. I I think if you're watching it with that lens and you're there for the personality of celebrity, it's like more forgivable when they break. Um, Yeah. yeah, But no, I I feel like even in the days, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but like the days when I, when I watched it more consistently, I would have been more mad about someone breaking because I'm like, it's SNL. It's the form. Like you're there to do the job. I'm like, nah, I just want to see him laugh because he's so cute and fun. Well, and you just know it's going to happen. Like, especially yeah. if, again, you watch the first episode, he couldn't get through, I don't think, any sketch without Mm-mm. laughing. The only thing I wish, like, I do think it was a great monologue and a great rap. I think it might have been even more successful had it been one of those, like, pre-taped, like, really HQ, high-quality produced kind of things, almost like mm-hmm. a music video. He, they would do that when, like, you know, Pete Davidson you know, would have these like raps as they would, you know, it was a great use of the like forum because it was mm-hmm. part of the joke was the rap and part of the joke was like just how seriously they were taking the rap and the juxtaposition yeah. of what they were saying. And so I feel like it was a perfect monologue. It was great. I think it might've been even more successful if it had been a like 
pre-planned, like taped during the week kind of sketch. Yeah, I mean, and if nothing else, we we just need that high quality, that high quality studio version of Babyface, so we can listen to it. Yes, please. Well, from Lil Timmy Tim to Smoke Cheddar the Ass Getta, first official sketch of the night, the Museum of Hip Hop. Um, this was a sketch they brought back from his first episode, which, and again, I'm coming at this as a casual SNL viewer. I enjoy that they brought back callbacks. And I know they do that for a lot of hosts, so that's not, you know, special or new. But knowing how successful this one went with Pete the first time, I was very excited to see Smoke Chetta the Asketa back on my screen. There would have been a riot if he didn't return. The <laughs> biggest thing that I realized in watching this sketch and the rest of the episode was like, Again, I think his first episode was at a, such a weird time, just in general, mm-hmm. like such a bizarre like time in our world, but also again with like this like kind of half SNL experience, not the full thing, that I feel like a lot of the sketches that he did were not like celebrated when they first came out. It was kind of like Timothy mm-hmm. Chalamet hosted SNL and then we kind of all forgot about it. But like truly both Tiny Horse and this sketch like took on a life of their own afterwards and like the internet really made them popular which again for most snl sketches but i think specifically with these two they almost had like a cult following where it was like halloween costumes and like tiny horse became this like phenomenon but it wasn't like celebrated when it first came out Mm -hmm. so part of me was like i was kind of shocked that we had two repeat sketches i don't want to misspeak but i don't know how many times someone's come back and only hosted twice and then had like as many like reprises like i i don't think that happens which is a testament to like how loved uh and beloved the like first you know some of the sketches were in the first episode that they came back yeah i totally agree i i had a friend who watches snl regularly and said yeah it kind of seemed and i'm sorry to have to speak his name in our climate it kind of had a justin timberlake vibe to it where they were like trying to like set him up as like oh this is someone who has the chops to host and it will do very well moving forward and we can create these like recurring characters around him that he clearly enjoys playing because to your point earlier i think that the smoke shadow the ask it i can't believe that's something i have to say over and over again on mic and not fumble it up and also say it with a straight face um uh-huh. that is something that i think he enjoys playing based on this little timmy tin it's obviously a much different version of that but it's like a natural extension from what he i think enjoys doing and the kind of music he actually likes and to your point as well i think that it's only gained in relevance since the first episode because um what i'll generously refer to as the tiktokification of music is now we're getting these like short minute and a half two and a half minute songs with these wild you know what i guess i was gonna call them soundcloud rappers i guess like i guess soundcloud no he was a soundcloud rapper on the first yeah yeah, you're right exactly um yeah it's like that's so yeah like, yeah like when when ego odom had the line about like how he's like the most successful rapper of all time because of like you know the number of times streams right yeah as someone who like literally when a new song comes out i like check to see how long it is and if it's over three minutes i'm like thank god like some <laughs> some real fucking food like i'm so uh-huh. sick of like the two the two minute song like oh i literally um, just texted i have a friend who's a producer this is so funny you say this like three weeks ago i texted him i was like is any goddamn song longer than three minutes anymore do any song have yeah. bridges anymore like there's no bridges in songs anymore that's so funny nope. you say that because i've been complaining about that too 
Yeah, yeah I no, just, Taylor Swift literally holding up the bridge in music uh, industry because truly, like no one else truly, has the power truly. to do it. Truly. It's insane. Yeah. I think that this sketch was pretty successful. Like uh, we love that he came back. I think the internet loved it. Um, his favorite rap is the nationwide jingle. Super important. I love mm-hmm. that joke. I thought that was funny. And then, uh, oh yeah. And then the Bronx, like I'm in the Bronx. Can you come get me? <laughs> Can you get me, um, mom? <laughs> but I think the biggest question, if we're going to compare both raps, does, what is it? Clink, 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 hold up to yeet skirt. <laughs> And I don't know if it does, but we're going to see if if it it takes on a life of its own. Yeah. You know, it's hard because Yeet Skirt has the the Pete Davidson power behind it. Uh Yeah. Like, it's kind of hard to, you know, it's it's like when your two faves link up. Like, it's kind of hard to deny. You know, I'll call it the rain on me. I I say that like Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga were the first two pop stars to ever do a collab together, you know, in the year of our Lord 2020. Um, But, you know, the, the rain on me effect of like, oh, shit. They came together and now I can't stop. You know, yeah. So I think Yeet Skirt has that going for it. Um, but I do think, I guess what we're referring to as Drip Clank Clank does have, you know, he's got some bars, but I don't I don't know if it's, you know, as powerful as Yeet Skirt. I'll agree with you on that one. From the comments I did see, I think people were bummed that Pete didn't come back. I don't mm-hmm. know. If scheduling issues, who knows? He also just yeah. hosted a couple weeks ago. But mm-hmm. um I feel like he did stand on his own without Pete, which I think yep. is also a good uh representation of like okay they're starting to yep. trust him more because i don't know if you remember last time i was here and talked about snl and his episode my biggest criticism was i felt like the writers or whoever was like you know giving him sketches like did not trust him on his own mm-hmm. like didn't trust that he could carry the show as an actual host he was paired a lot with pete i feel like it yep. was very much like oh he's a young white boy skinny white boy we'll pair him with the other young skinny white boy and i feel like yeah. Uh, just in general in this episode, I think they gave him more to work yep. with, and I really appreciated that. I totally agree. It felt like the, the sketches were written around him versus like, oh, I've had this idea, and like this is how he can fit into it. Yeah. So jumping to our first pre-recorded sketch of the night, very topical, uh, the Woman in Me audiobook audition. So we've got Chloe Fineman playing Britney Spears, obviously. Uh, that book has been huge in the news recently Tori, have you had a chance to to listen or to read to the woman the woman in me i highly recommend listening to it because michelle williams gives a great performance as she always does yeah oh absolutely so i have listened to it so i did get i did enjoy that end of it um this one i feel like and we'll get into some of the like pushback and controversies minor controversies about this episode i think this one got a little flack for i guess just potentially kind of poking fun at Britney Spears. I know there was a little bit um, of flack for the the line reading that they had Chloe Feynman as Julia Fox do is like not an actual um, excerpt from the book. It was just like a fake tweet that went around. Um, I thought the sketch was funny. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's sort of like, you can come to SNL excited for, you know, whatever the bit of the sketch is going to be. And then other times you're like, I just want to see some funny impressions because they're all really good at doing that. I just enjoyed seeing some funny impressions. I mean, I don't think this was like their best impression sketch. And Timothy only appears briefly to play to play Martin Scorsese. And I thought that was cute. You know, I don't think he's like, you know, best Martin Scorsese impersonator ever. But given that, you know, Timothy just got directed by Marty for a Chanel commercial. I thought that was cute. I think Chloe Feynman's Timothy Chalamet is really, really funny. I think that oh, yeah. was maybe the highlight for me. Um, but yeah, this this one was fine. Well, where did you land on it? 
Yeah, I mean, it wasn't my favorite. They do a lot of these, like, compilation, you know, impression sketches, which is great. Mm-hmm. I thought this was one of the weaker ones. They don't have a lot of impressionists on the show anymore. Like, it's Chloe Feynman, yeah. and that's kind of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it used to be that, you know, Cecily Strong is a fantastic impressionist. Kate McKinnon, Zach Bennett, right? You had a lot of, like, really solid, you know, impressions. Um, A.D. Bryant was pretty good in her own right, and, like, Mm-hmm. I think that this was just basically, it was just like a Chloe Feynman, like greatest hits and with some other impressions. Um, as you know, I love John Mulaney. Um, yes, the John Mulaney. Especially bit. love John Mulaney before his whole divorce thing. But again, conversation for another time. Um, <laughs> it was literally like Timothy Chalamet and John Mulaney on the same same level for me. So I did love a yeah. little John Mulaney. Anytime somebody does a, an impression of John Mulaney, it makes me really happy. And yeah, to your point about Timmy, I thought it was like, yeah, it's funny. It's more tongue in cheek because, again, they just work together. Yeah. Is it the best impression we've ever seen of somebody? No. But like, you're not necessarily expecting that either. So, yeah, I thought it was fine. That's yeah. my official. That's my official it review was, of the sketch. It was fine. Yeah, no, it I, was fine. I, I, total, I totally agree. I think that and again, asterisks, I'm no SNL expert, but it does really feel like with how Pete was cast, they moved away from like comedians who are good actors and that's not me saying Pete Davidson is not a good actor I actually think he's a pretty good actor and I really liked his uh, movie that he made with Judd Apatow the king of Staten Island but he is not an impressionist to your point and I feel like they've moved away from hiring people who can do impressions more towards just like people who are stand-up comics I would say more so um, yeah so it's kind of like yeah Chloe Feynman's there to do the heavy lifting Heidi Gardner can do some some pretty decent impressions um, I thought the John Mulaney thing was really funny. I thought the pivot to the like him talking about his drum problem was really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was a good bit and I was excited for you. Well, and it's very meta, right? As, as yeah. he was, you know, a writer and what is it? I think he's hosted five times. Is he a five time? Yeah, I think he's I think he's five timer yeah. club at this point, which is yeah. crazy. So yeah, you yeah. gotta love that little nod. All right, let's jump to the Jim Call sketch. (laughs) So excited to talk about this one. (laughs) Yeah, uh, man, you know when you just like really want to love something and you just it was funny. I laughed more than I should have, but I was also just like, okay, like yeah, this is the most basic humor, which is just like you know. Is this a Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Like, for yeah. four minutes. Like, that's the joke over and over and over again. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. The only, the, anytime I laughed, I literally was like, the caveman base of my brain <laughs> is finding this funny. And I, like, yeah. need to move on. Yeah, I don't have much to say on this one. I thought it was fine. Like, I'm with you. Like, I laughed, and then it ended, and I was like, okay, well, that was dumb. But, you know, I don't need to make excuses for a single SNL sketch. But it wasn't reaching for the stars. It wasn't like... No offensively bad it was just a really and they just kept beating it over and over and over again yeah which was fine again we've seen worse i think the the biggest thing that was hysterical to me was seeing uh little tiny timmy with his little tiny neck and head (laughs) in this like massive like ripped fucking bodysuit like it's just very funny the juxtaposition which was yeah, and a, a little yeah. bit with Mikey Day as well. Yeah, we've covered on the show, too, that, like, there's only so much buff that body can take. Like, when we've talked about, like, oh, like, he's getting strong for Dune, and he's like, what if he ever did, like, an action movie? It's like, there's only so many muscles you can put on that. But have you seen those arms lately? No, they're looking good. I'm like, yeah, I can't speak. Like, I'm trying to remember the photo I saw, and I was like, the <laughs> other day, I was like, okay, all right, props to the trainer, <laughs> cracking that whip. 
Um, but yeah, there's there's only so much you can do, which is part of the appeal in a way. So yeah. So yeah, seeing him just like with the paper mache veiny arms was was very funny and enjoyable <laughs> and worth it for that and that alone. All right, let's get to the man, the myth, the legend, the giant horse. Okay, I have to stop you right off the top. You may recall I was not a tiny horse fan when we first recorded. When we recorded Yes. What, three years ago, I did not yeah. think it was that funny. I, I am now a tiny horse apologist. I am <laughs> so sorry. I think it's hysterical. Um, again, I think I just had to see it more and then the internet loves it. And like, honestly, I thought this one was even better because of the callback to the first. And like, I was really, really happy to see it back. The one thing I wish I would have done though, is like, I did not watch it live or watch it as an episode. I watched it in YouTube clips. So I knew the joke was coming and mm -hmm. I kind of wish I hadn't done that. Oh, okay. Funnier. But anyway, I wanted to right off the bat yeah. apologize for um, I was wrong. <laughs> Tiny Horse is great. I'm very sorry. I like it better now. And I thought this was great. Tori has made her way to the right side of history <laughs> with Tiny Horse. And we love that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, so I when, so when I watched this um, uh, disclosure into my personal life, the next day I was driving to Florida for my parents' house. So. I set up to watch it being like, okay, I might not make it the whole thing. We'll just see what happens. Like, I was like, at least I want to see the monologue just because like that was, you know, as we've said, like that's the Timmy that we all want to see and know and love. So I did make it to this one and I agree. Like, I was so excited to see it and not know it was going to be Tiny Horse because yeah, like the opening is very futuristic war and like you just, it, the pivot to Tiny, I just did not, I did not see it coming. And that's what I really enjoyed about the sketch and what actually made me enjoy it more than the original is just because it was so out of left field and then very funny and yeah i just i i really loved giant horse and i just love that like that was the solution to this like post-apocalyptic dystopian war was this guy's relationship with his tiny horse who was now a giant horse yeah i i loved this sketch i think it's maybe my favorite of the night yeah, yeah i loved it it's so good there's something about Timothy Chalamet singing It's Extra Bad in the Future Tonight <laughs> that just had me rolling. <laughs> I don't know, it's extra bad in the future tonight. I was just like, yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, I loved it. I mean, honestly, t uh, Tiny Horse into Giant Horse, hashtag girl boss. Like, that is the biggest <laughs> career, like, Come on, we all, you know, yeah. we start tiny and you grow into a world dominator. Great. All with the help <laughs> of Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, no, I support her. If there's anything that we do on Chasing Chalamet, we support women's rights, but most importantly, we support women's wrongs. And um, that is that is what Tiny Horse to the Giant Horse did. She did that. From, from one successful woman to another, let's talk... Just briefly about Boy Genius, because they are the musical guests in this episode. It's, because you watch YouTube clips, did you skip over the, the Boy Genius commercial? I'm uh, sorry, I did. Um, but I uh, <laughs> was actually literally listening to Phoebe Bridgers before you and I jumped on. I've realized, like, I don't know a lot of uh, Boy Genius or either, like, the individual music of the three. I think mm -hmm. because, like, I'm already wildly depressed and, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need any more. Like, truly, every time I listen to one of their songs, I have to, like just put myself in the corner facing the wall and yeah. so 
I tend to like actually like avoid their music, even though I know it's incredible and good because I just will spiral yeah. into a depressive episode. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel the exact same way. I, and I feel like I, I'm kind of of two brains of that. It's like, sometimes it's like, I need that to be validated. And then other times I'm totally with you. I'm like, yeah, I'm already here. I don't like need to put myself here more. So yeah. um, I will just say, I, I kind of, to your, to your point, I'm like familiar with Boy Genius and them individually musicians, but I would not classify myself as like a huge um, wealth of knowledge about any of them. Um, the most I would know is that Phoebe Bridgers was engaged to Paul Mescal. They broke up. She's now with Bo Burnham, which I find very fascinating. Which we have to talk about that because speaking of my personal <laughs> trilogy, the Tory Dunlap sure. trilogy is Timothy Chalamet, John Mulaney Love So Now, mm-hmm. and Bo Burnham. Like, I mm-hmm. can you imagine that after party? We have Kylie Jenner, Timothy Chalamet, oh my God. the whole cast of SNL, uh, assume, presumably Alec Baldwin, presumably a bunch of other famous people. And then in like one of their like first actual like step out public appearances as a couple that wasn't leaked by Keith Urban, we have Phoebe Bridgers and Bo Burnham. Like <laughs> that after party had to be crazy. Yeah. Wild, wild. I, to- I told a friend, I'm like, oh my God, this is like the 2018, 2019 award circuit again. Like when, when Timmy was out promoting Beautiful Boy and, and Bo Burnham was promoting eighth grade. And I'm just like, oh my God, if I was in the room and the two of them were there, I would just simply melt away. Yeah. So that's that's my, that's all I can really say about Boy Genius. I think they think they're great. I thought the performances were great. Um, I look forward to listening to their music one day uh, to reference the name of a song they played when I am not not strong enough, when I'm strong enough to listen to this music and it doesn't make me more depressed than I already am. Um, did you did you watch Weekend Update? I know Timmy did not make an appearance. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible guest. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. I just blazed right through it. No, but please sorry. talk about it because I want to hear your take. You know, I won't go too deep into it just because I, I do want to focus on the Timothee of it all. I'm going to be honest, and, and Tori, I don't recall if we've touched on this, so curious to hear your thoughts on, on what I'm about to say. In general, I've never been the biggest Colin Jost Michael Che fans. Um, they have made me laugh. I think that they do have a good dynamic. Like I think they play well off of each other. And not to be one of those like old men shaking his fist at a cloud about the old days. But like, I'm sorry, like I was raised in the Seth Myers, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler days of weekend update. And as you know, it's kind of what we were saying about the gym call. Like I'm laughing, but like for the right reasons, I don't know. So all to say, like, I don't have, like, a vendetta against either Chost or Che, but they're just not my fave Weekend Update hosts. Where where do you fall on, on the Che and Jost of it all? Yeah, I think I have less of a concrete opinion than you do. I do agree. Like, I love me some Seth Meyers and then the dynamic, of course, between Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Um, I probably mm-hmm. said this last time I was here when we talked about SNL. My favorite every year is when they, like, exchange jokes. Like, I think that yeah. is some of their best work and best material. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't, to be honest, I'm surprised that they as a duo have, has gone on this long. I thought we had probably a yeah. couple of years in us. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. just feeling a little tired. I think they're both a little tired and sick of their jobs. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think some fresh blood in there wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened to SNL. Am I like, yeah, yeah. do I feel like they're unfunny? No, I think they're both very funny people. And yeah, the dynamic yep. I think is great, especially again in like the once a year joke exchange. 
But again, I'm I'm right where you're at, where I don't really watch SNL anymore. Yeah, and really, my only like real thought on it that's relevant to this this podcast is like I just wish they brought Timothy in to do something, um, yeah. but they didn't. Which you know they don't always bring the host in on Weekend Update, so that's not like shocking. But yeah, they're just disappointed not to see him. So yeah, that was Weekend Update for me. It was fine. Before we jump to the next sketch, I have to ask you, Tori, had you seen the Troy Savon Rush video before this sketch? No, I'm not no. a thief. <laughs> I am a You're not a gay man who listens to gay I was club just music. Gonna say, I'm not a I'm not a gay man. Um I do love Troy Savon. I love the song Rush. I just hadn't seen the music video. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't shocked by what was happening, but I, I definitely think of course it would have been funnier had I seen it before. I've now seen the side by side. Sure. Like TikTok posted a side by side okay. of like Troy Savon and then Timothy Chalamet. And my favorite, which we can talk about, is that Troy Savon has posted multiple times about Timmy doing an impression <laughs> of him, which I just love. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. I imagine you have a lot of thoughts about this sketch, so I will turn it over to you. <laughs> I do, yeah. So obviously I know who Troy Savon is. I am a Troy Savon fan. I do really like that song. That music video was a big moment this summer for the girls and the girl, the girls and the gays and the days. Um, yeah, I thought this sketch was really funny. Um, I think kind of to what we were saying earlier about like Timmy breaking and just kind of letting his personality shine through. I really love that just like up top they were like, or he was like, yeah, I'm not going to do an Australian accent. Like this is not going to happen. Like I just, I think that's really cute and charming. Um, yeah. and not to the detriment of the sketch. I think there are ways in which you can kind of be like, okay, dude, like, are you trying? But like, come on. He's like, putting on the red undies, showing his butt, dancing around. Like, you can't say the man wasn't putting in the work in this yep. sketch. Yeah, I really loved this. I thought, I, I really loved the commentary on just, like, how, you know, obviously, like, Bo and Yang playing the doctor and, like, being the expert on this, like, gay sleep paralysis demon, and there's just, like, a straight woman who's experiencing it. I just thought that was really, really funny. And obviously bringing in the boy genius gals to be part of it was great. I'm sure I brought this up in the Call Me By Your Name episode, but, like, if there's one thing about Timmy, it's this guy. He's just, and this movie was shot, you know, Call Me By Your Name was shot a while ago. We have no, we have established that the training regimen has changed. But when we saw his butt in that movie, it was tiny, and it was a little flappy, flappy little tween butt. And, yeah, so this is, like, the closest we're getting to, like, where the butt is now. And... <laughs> You know, the evidence is promising. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by what I, what I'm seeing is what I'm saying. I just love the, the joke of like, he is, what was it? Like a famous gay man, but not Nathan Lane. He's gay famous, but not Nathan Lane. <laughs> like something <laughs> like that one, that one killed me. And yeah, I feel like um, I would have really loved to see that joke get pitched to him and his reaction, mm -hmm. because I think it would have been like, oh, uh, sure. I, okay. Um, okay. I think it uh, maybe took some some convincing, but also I mm -hmm. think he was secretly really excited to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, I mean, come on. Like, he, the boy's going to dance if he, if someone's going to offer him dancing, he's not going to be mad. I know. And um, the one bummer I had, this happens on SNL. It's live. It's Okay. At the end, one of, somebody missed their cue, I think, either Timmy mm -hmm. or, like, they came in too early. And I feel like, again, I'm not, there's, it's no, it's okay, it happens. But I do feel like the sketch would have been even stronger at the end if the button would have worked the way it was supposed to. Yeah. So that was the yeah. kind of one 
one right it's the it's the it's the the joy and the downfall of live tv is like it's really it's to the point of people breaking like it's really fun to watch people be human and to be real and there's something nice about that but yeah you do have that moment when like yeah like you think of like and i'm just gonna bring her up because what am i not thinking about her but like when you think about like madeline khan like she's just like when she clicks she clicks and like there's no breaking there's no it's none of that like it's uh, the consummate professional achieving them but i don't that's not what timmy's going for he's not going for like you know a mel brooks level comedic performance where they're so committed to the band they don't break like and i'm not here saying like people should break on snl like you should give it the old college try but like yeah it's there's something human and endearing when that happens but i agree yeah there were a couple like late cues i think at one point like bowen came in a little early with the dance so it wasn't it wasn't pristine and flawless but like you know it's just it's nice that we're to a point in culture where we're letting people write sketches about choice of on music videos when you know it's it's like when harry styles came on and did the sara lee social media manager and he was saying really funny like gay jokes on on you know it's like it's fun when they like okay timothy chalamet's coming on like let's 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 do a let's give one of the gays like that's just what they want to see so i do enjoy that aspect of it and the audience fucking loved it like they ate it up it was great yeah uh, my my only notes were all capitals red undies exclamation point but exclamation point so that's yep. that's it that sums it all up. right then we had and this we we mentioned them a bit earlier I didn't know who please don't don't destroy was I had no idea Tori is shocked I Tori okay please now come in as the expert because I did not know who these three boys were okay oh my god okay so um. <laughs> I some I guess really big super fans of them are gonna hate me saying this. They're basically like the 2023 Lonely Island. Like, okay, it's like three that guys. That is what I gathered. Yeah, who are doing like they have the same kind of sketch every time, but it's slightly different. Honestly, for many people, they believe that basically, please don't destroy is car- carrying SNL at this point. Okay. They also, uh, this is such a bummer for them. They just had a movie, or they have a movie coming out. I think like this week or we're recording yeah. this in mid-november um and actually we just had a guest on my pod- podcast financial feminist that was in the movie and it was like one of her big breaks and she couldn't talk about it until obviously oh, so no. it's just like a perfect example of just like how much like yes strike and support you know mm-hmm. what we have to do to to you know get paid a fair wage but also just also how devastating it's been for actors and writers who, you know, this might be their one shot at yeah. producing something big. And so um, they actually, it was very funny. They went on Seth Meyers, or no, excuse me, it was Jimmy Fallon last week. And that was before the strike was over. And then they came on mm-hmm. like three days later after the strike was over. Um, one of the reasons I think they were able to do that is we do have a Nepo baby in the mix. Uh, one mm. of the Please Don't Destroy uh, gentlemen is the son of, and it's going to drive me crazy because I don't remember his name, but the Jimmy Fallon sidekick and a writer, Steve Higgins. There it is. Um, so one yep. of the uh, Please Don't Destroy members is the son of Steve Higgins, but uh, he can stay because they're all very funny <laughs> and uh, they do really good work. And I feel like they are one of the reasons that SNL is honestly still has the relevance it does uh, a lot of their sketches uh, yeah. do really well online and i believe they started online as a sketch group yeah very similar story to lonely island um mm-hmm. this one this sketch was uh i think still funny but probably at least what i've seen recently some of their worst work mm-hmm. we also have a joke that was considered very insensitive there was a lot of uproar about 
the mm-hmm. Hamas joke in the sketch. Yep. But yeah, that was kind of that's my overview on Please Don't Destroy specifically for this. No, I really appreciate that because I it validates what I thought watching it. I was like, okay, these are the the Lonely Island boys. Um, I don't think they ever like gave themselves a name like Lonely Island or Please Don't Destroy, but it kind of struck me as to what like Kyle Mooney was doing when he was on the show. This sort yep. of like and very specific humor yeah. that's very niche to yeah exactly yeah i thought the sketch was fine you know uh, <laughs> this is by no means the platform or space to be <laughs> parsing into the israeli-palestinian conflict um i will just say blanket statement um i'm against violence of all kinds and i'm against war in general um but i Agreed. also do not know enough about that conflict to speak on it um in a in a public forum but i will say in watching the sketch i do feel like the joke is on the stupidity of naming the band Hamus or whatever he called it. I didn't find the joke to be personally tasteless. Obviously, I'm saying that as someone who is neither Jewish, Israeli, or Palestinian. Um, that all being said, like, yeah, like the kind of the uproar on this joke sort of colored me a bit on the sketch in general and just not knowing their work, I didn't really know too much about it. Um, so yeah, I'm glad to know that like I wasn't just coming in. I just saw a bad please don't destroy sketch and that this is not like the norm for them. Yeah. I mean, I think there was again, some funny moments, but I think they, I've seen stronger work from them. And of course, Timothy in this, can we talk about the weird goatee and ponytail? Like that was honestly the biggest crime here was that (sighs) costume uh, choice. Yeah. I've often said to you that there are very few things I've actually, I think said there is nothing that Timothy Chalamet could wear or do to make him unattractive by George he got it like mm-hmm. we figured it out like I couldn't believe it's kind of like you know <laughs> they, Harry they, Styles they it. <laughs> yeah it's Harry Styles at the end of don't worry darling I was like oh 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 wow we can take this extremely <laughs> oh, no. attractive person and just make them a fucking disgusting little incel dude like I was just I I didn't think it was possible yeah Lord, it was possible no, they they found the right stringy wig and the right goatee, and yeah, it was, it was it was rough. That might be the worst he's ever ever looked on screen. No, truly, I was just like, yeah, I yeah. didn't, yeah, I didn't think it was possible. Which tells me that like with good grooming and with a good wardrobe and with clothes that fit you and hair that looks good, any man can also look better. You know. <laughs> I was just like, wow, okay. Exactly, this is, right. This is what he could look like, and thank God he doesn't. <laughs> right, yeah, because we just pass him on the street and wouldn't give another look. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, it's actually kind of inspiring to, you know, the, the normies, the normies out there. Like, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that above them. I'm, I'm very, very much a normal person. It's very inspiring to think like, oh, with millions of dollars, not even millions, with, with, I'll just do, with hundreds of dollars, like, you can have a great, day you can have just a great day when you look fantastic yeah so that was the jumper sketch uh then we had another performance from boy genius again great love them we'll we'll we'll, we'll visit their music when i am mentally sound enough to do so um then we get into the little orphan cassidy sketch um so again this sketch was based around a cast member i do not know at all i do not have our name in front of me chloe trost trost yes exactly um this was really funny to me first of all i thought her at first i thought she was singing to a pre-recorded track because her voice sounded so good and then i was like i think she's singing live i think that she just sounds that good 
Oh, this was like the star making moment for her. Undoubtedly. Like you can see with previous SNL cast members, like you can go back and like see the moment that Kate McKinnon became to us like Kate McKinnon. Like you can see that. Um, and this was, I think, that moment. And this was not a Timothy Chalamet sketch. Like, full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Like, this was not about him. This was, like... No. And I think that this was one of those that actually I... The only time I was annoyed that he broke because I was like, give her the best that you can. That's your responsibility. <laughs> because she's, like, killing it. Um, truly, I thought the same thing. I was like, damn, the vocals. Like, fantastic. And the comedic timing was great. And... Yeah, I think it was um, definitely her moment of like, yep, I'm here and I'm new, but I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah, and I love that um, traditionally I feel like they always throw some of their weirder sketches on later in the episode because they're like, oh, it's the the one o'clock hour. We can just fuck around and find out. Um, And sometimes they land and sometimes they don't. And yeah, I I found this one really funny because, you know, so often, obviously it's, it's the nature of the beast. SNL is a ensemble cast but sometimes it's great to just let a star shine from you know the from the cast and give them that platform and i thought that was really great and i agree it was like timmy was just there to kind of be in the background and kind of be the be the straight man which i thought was really fun um yeah i'm really excited to see what else she does because she was so funny and has a great voice and i'm like okay do we have like a new bo burnham on our hands like a great vocalist who is actually really funny as well so yeah really really excited to see what else she does and hey maybe we'll see little orphan cassidy back the next time him timmy hosts i would love to see that i think she'll probably be a recurring character even without timmy like i think the character will definitely be back yeah and i also want to highlight like uh cecily strong i feel like was was very similar where like incredible comedic chops but also incredible voice and so i think we have seen especially women in Mm -hmm. the past you know couple years on snl um have both same thing with like amy poehler and like maya rudolph and even kristen wig like all of them have mm-hmm. really really good voices as well so um yeah i feel like this is a larger conversation about patriarchy but uh i feel like for women who get cast in comedic <laughs> uh roles or who you know show up in these sketch shows their responsibilities are like you know 12 fold and for men it's like you get you got to do two things you got to be funny in two ways and for women it's like you have to be the most talented yep. singer and also musician and, you know, <laughs> physical comedy and like sketch comedy. So, yeah, I think that this is an example of I think she's yeah, that we're this is not the last we're going to see, I think, of this character. Uh, all right. Let's get into the final sketch of the night, which was the calm sleep story. Um, I thought this started off pretty strong. It kind of like I don't want to say nosedived for me, but I kind of kind of thought it middled out a little bit. Um, kind of what I was saying earlier about these kind of, you know, late in the night last sketches can kind of go either way. Um, I did enjoy that we got to see, like, Timmy being Timmy. Like I said, I think that's kind of the fun of watching someone host SNLs and they bring their own personality to it. Um, so I thought the sketch was fine. I thought bringing in Alec Baldwin at the end was really weird and just, I, I don't want to say it, like, didn't work, but it was really unexpected for me. And, like, not to get in like, that bummer of a story, but, like, Alec Baldwin hasn't had a great year year and a half whatever however long that's all been going on um so yeah i thought this sketch was just fine i enjoyed that like again to to bring up what you brought up at the top of the episode like i love that we had like the new york boy coming off the street with his backpack to me like kind of there to to make an appearance but overall i thought this was kind of a 
a meh ending to the episode personally. What did what did you think about the sketch story? Yeah, I had a couple thoughts. First is I want a real life version of uh Timothy Chalamet X Calm or I Riot <laughs> at Dawn. Like I I want this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Best sleep of our life if we ever uh, got that. Or I wouldn't sleep at all. But you could tell actually with this sketch, like the audio changes. Like at one point it doesn't pick up immediately. And I feel like that mm-hmm. made the sketch stronger where you can actually hear like he's on a podcast microphone or on a radio microphone. Um, speaking of the backpack, yeah. I loved the backpack yeah. at first. And then he kept the backpack on, <laughs> which you're not going to be in a recording studio wearing <laughs> a backpack. I don't know why it just like took me out of the sketch. I was like, put your goddamn backpack down. I was like, you don't need to keep wearing it the entire time. I don't know. It just felt really weird to me. And I actually really liked it. I thought it was funny. And then to your point, I agree. When Alec Baldwin came in, it had the opportunity to be really funny, but just the timing didn't work. I think that like, somebody missed yeah. a pickup or a line was dropped or just like the the cut wasn't as quick as it should have been but it yeah it kind of failed in in adding again the button to the sketch and then he's having some legal issues which just felt like uh i'm like oh we're to- yeah. okay we're doing alec baldwin and then if this is the last sketch of the night he literally showed up he was like yeah i'll show up to do this show but i'll show up for the last 10 minutes like it had that energy. I mm-hmm. like. I will literally show up to studio three yeah. minutes before you need me. I'll pop in for a one-line joke, and then I'll wave at the end credits, and then I can go home. So, yeah, I don't think it was needed. Yeah. I would have rather seen, you know, maybe Chloe Fineman or somebody do an impression of somebody if you wanted that kind of joke mm-hmm. to break it up. But, yeah, it just felt very weird. I felt like it had a, a lot of potential, but then didn't pay off the way we wanted it to. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, I think just, you know, uh, what's that joke that Dumois started about uh, when someone was like, Joe Biden spotted in DC and Dumois said likely place for him to be. It's like, oh, Alec Baldwin on SNL, like likely place for him to be like, yeah, like it just it would have been a lot funnier if it had been somebody unexpected. I don't know, like what if it had been like Greta Gerwig or someone like like that just would have been to your point, like, I just think that the joke would have clicked if it had actually been surprising because like i think at first you are kind of shocked to see alec baldwin because of all the legal shit he's going through but then you're like oh yeah like he just shows up to snl like whenever he wants to right. and then it's like mm, is this kind of a- yeah it just would have been more fun if it had been like a- yeah well like someone we wanted to see like that's kind of harsh but like <laughs> like if it would have been somebody that would have been an actual cameo rather than just to your point yeah like alec baldwin stopping by again it would have made the sketch better. I yeah. get he was, you know, they were trying to spoof his personality or his persona that's, you know, like angry Alec Baldwin. But again, it didn't yeah. work. Either he wasn't angry enough or like, again, like it's just the button yeah. didn't button. <laughs> the button didn't button. Yeah. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but like, imagine how funny that could have been if Kylie Jenner had walked out and been the replacement. Like, I thought we were going to get just, I, a Jenner cameo. I'm shocked we didn't. Yeah. I, I was shocked that that didn't happen. Yeah, so just a little little bit of a bummer ending for me, but not the actual ending, because we also had the good nights as well. Um, he had a lovely little Oompa Loompa sweater on, which I thought was adorable. I think there he was photographed wearing it out uh, into the the cast party as well. Uh, and then I love just his like, his like he like didn't know how to wrap it up, and he's like, "Happy birthday, Leonardo DiCaprio." That was the just, weird. Like, I'm like, not in awkward. today's climate, <laughs> sir. No, <laughs> I know that you try to stay off of social media, but have you seen the conversation lately? <laughs> right. Yeah, like 
god i didn't even think about this yeah like alec baldwin leonardo dicaprio like how many just like murky gray area guys are we gonna like throw at timothy chalamet in this episode i mean i guess timothy did say that one of his own accord and you know they did work together or whatever but like yeah it was just it was weird but i don't know but again like that's just like his weird awkward energy it's classic timmy where he was like uh thanks to the crew which i really appreciated right like thanks the crew thanks like all the actors after the strike and is like hey we're back yay and then realizes he has about six more seconds to fill and is like also (laughs) i guess it's you know whatever date it was happy birthday leonardo dicaprio all right bye and i was like no (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that that's the episode. I mean, and you know, again, I, it, I'm a broken record at this point. I'm no SNL expert, but from when I did watch it regularly, it's it's always a mixed bag. Like it's like any sketch show. There's going to be good sketches. Gonna, there's going to be bad sketches. That really like that is you know the, that is SNL in a nutshell. You know, you don't like go back and you're like, oh my god, that episode of SNL. That's like, oh, like that sketch, that host. So. Yeah, I mean, overall, like, we can jump in into the ratings, but I just thought this was, like, a a solid down-the-middle episode, and I thought Timmy was great, and yeah, I'm just, I, hope he, I hope he joins the, the Five Timers Club sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I, I didn't think after his first episode that... I knew they'd have him back, but again, I wasn't um, confident mm-hmm. in how much they were actually going to trust him. But after this one, I'm like, oh, I think he's well on his way to Five Timers Club. And... That makes me happy, sure. but also I think it, again, proves that, like, he can be somebody consistent to bring on the show, um, a la a John Mulaney or a Justin Timberlake or a, you know, previous cast member. So I think that that was, um, for me, my biggest takeaway after the episode was I was like, cool, okay, I feel like he cemented his place as someone who can show up and do the job well. Totally agree. So with that in mind, I, I will reveal my peach rating and i'm gonna talk through this a bit just because i'm waffling i'm waffling between a three and a three and a half peaches at a five i feel like i'm leaning toward three all right all right i'm ready to lock it in i'm going with three out of five peaches for the episode what say you tori yep i'm right about there i think if i was comparing this of course to any film he's done yeah, we're looking at like a three. Yeah. If it were comparing it to like the yep. SNL episodes that I've seen recently, I think I'd give it a higher rating because I do feel like there's a lot of funny sketches. Mm-hmm. But again, this is the classic version of like any sort of project is, um, and I know we'll talk particularly about his performance in a second, but like SNL more than anything is a group project. <laughs> like it is not an individual yep. pop yep. quiz. It is a group project. And it's like, yeah, the host is the person who's carrying that group project on their shoulders for the week, but there's a lot of elements that make up whether an episode is successful or not. Um, and again, like a lot of the things we were talking mm-hmm. about that were great, you know, some of the sketch ideas, his, um, you know, the way he showed up, but then weird Alec Baldwin, like that was just weird. And then a couple weird jokes that unfortunately didn't go over that well. And so, yeah, I feel like it's um, unfortunately kind of a mixed bag, but I feel like, uh, I would agree. I'm giving it three peaches too. Maybe three and a half if I'm generous. Yeah, we're waffling between the two. Yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page. All right, Timmy's performance. Yeah, I mean, again, this is it's so interesting to grade these um, in comparison to the movies because it's. I totally agree with you. SNL. You can't really is a do group it. Project. It's an ensemble. 
yeah it's 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 really hard to dig into that but it's the parameters as i've set up for for ourselves here on chasing chalamet um i'm gonna go with a four out of five peaches i think that um yeah i just i, I like i said like i'm i'm not looking at an snl um celebrity guest host for like not going in looking for like it's it's are you serving the material are you showing up in being an active participant are you having fun like are you there to kind of roll your sleeves up and and have some fun um and that's that's all you can ask from an snl host so yeah four four out of five peaches for me where did where did you fall in his performance story i just realized too i think the gym sketch was the only one he didn't break at all and actually, I kept expecting him to. Um, so that's just kind of funny. Yeah, I agree. I'm right at like four. I was going to say like 4.2, like a, you know, four parts of a peach and then a little extra bite. Yeah, I think, um, you know, sure. we I think we talked on the last episode uh, last time I was here about his first SNL appearance. What I always appreciate, honestly, one of the biggest markers of success for me on a guest uh, or for a guest on SNL is um did it look like they were reading cue cards? <laughs> like there's plenty of people mm-hmm. who are not actors who come on. And of course they just look like they're reading cue cards and it's rough and it's painful. And even sometimes the actors come on and they look like they're reading cue cards. We had that, I think a bit with the calm yep. stories one, but other than that, like he played it really well. It felt really natural. It felt memorized. And that's one of the biggest markers of success for me on SNL was, did it look as natural as possible? And I feel like it did. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like yep. we brought back some audience favorites, uh, and you know, it would be pretty hard to fuck those up, but he was just consistent and, and delivered on those. And the opening monologue, I think was one of the best opening monologues I've seen in a long time. And I'm saying that as unbiasedly as possible, mm-hmm. especially for like the relation to the guests yep. they had, like it aligned with who he is and his persona and all of the, you know, Timothy Chalamet lore. And yeah, I thought it was a decent episode and funny, regardless of whether you're a Timmy fan or not. All right, let's dive into the fun part. And you know what, Tori, I do not remember how we did this last time because I did not go back and re-listen to our episode. Do you remember when we graded attractiveness and hair, did we like factor in the sketch characters or did we go like- I don't think so. How we looked in like monologue- that that feels like a disservice if we're yeah, throwing I, the like please don't destroy right. Timmy in here. So I, yeah, I like, don't remember what we did, but I, if you're cool with it, I would like to just go off of when Timmy was Timmy. So maybe like monologue, we're goodbye, so on the same page. and then we're so on the maybe same page. calm stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah, calm story. And I was gonna say I'm not sure if you had a chance to look at any of like the bumper photos that they do, but he oh. did. They had, he had some cute they photo shoots fantastic. like in like Central Park, and he was a little autumn yes. slut. Yes, and okay, I loved yeah, him. yeah. <laughs> autumn slut. Oh my God, it's too it's too late in autumn for me to commit to that as my autumn persona. But maybe <laughs> autumn 2024, I'm gonna be autumn slut. I love that. Um, hot girl summer into autumn mm-hmm. slut. That's gonna be the vibe for 2024. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Let's just do timmy because yeah if we throw the please don't destroy sketch in there we are just gonna negative there's not gonna be any peaches left frankly and i'm gonna have to cancel this podcast um yeah let's just do timmy so attractiveness man i mean what am i what what am i what am i getting at here who am i pretending i am it's five it's five peaches he looked so good he looked oh he looked so so good yeah i mean we, we we talked about the outfits 
I love the bumper photos. The autumn slut, as Tori, you put you put it so well. I think that that the one of him with the kind of patchy um, color sweater with, and the leaves looks really, really. I love the big fur coat with him on the rock. He just looks so cute. Um, yeah, I mean, come on, just like the man is just ugh, mwah, 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 mwah. five peaches for me. Yeah, I'm emphatically nodding. Five, five peaches all around. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's hot. Man's hot. That's why. That's why I have this podcast. The man, the is, man hot. is hot. There's really nothing else I can add at this the point. The man is hot, oh! and we can move and on. And then and I move forgot forward. this whole thing. Remember um, okay. when we were first starting this episode, and I'm like, he's had a hell of a year, and I completely forgot to mention the fucking uh, Blue de Chanel commercial as well. I know we talked about it briefly, but like <laughs> oh that happened as well. Like, and he's been shooting obviously Dune and everything else. Yep. So. Yeah, he's had a year, so this was a this was a nice little start to what yeah. I'm assuming will be a little Timothy Chalamet all you can eat buffet for the next couple months, and I'm pumped about it. Oh man, I am hoping that now that the strike's over, we get those casting announcements rolling in. Like, like I, I need to know what my boy's doing next. I'm yeah, I cannot wait to see what 2024 brings. All right, let's talk about the hair. I mean, I'm not going to belabor the point. It's a five, like yep. you said, Jamie killed it. Um, yeah, I think I can't remember if you posted it or someone else did, but they like posted um, Jamie's Instagram story of like she was traveling to New York and we're all like, oh, shit, here she comes. Like, here she comes. She's going to make our boy's hair look so good. Um, yeah, it looked great. I mean, I will say and, and I've been I've been on mic with this opinion before. I do tend to love when the hair is long and a little bit more down i am a i am a millennial of my generation you know a little sad emo boy look is always going to be um kind of up my alley so the hair was a little bit more you know blown back a little bit um i you know i still think it looked great still a five out of five um but you know in 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 my kind of ideal timmy world it's a little bit more in the ladybird kind of in his face vein but yeah no the hair hair looked incredible it's long it's luscious um that's our boy. Yeah. Five, five out of five for me. How do you, how, how was the hair sitting for you this episode for you? Yeah, this is peak hair for me. Um, I love it. I, I no no notes, no changes, <laughs> especially the, um, the, yeah, the promo shot we got of him with headphones and that sweater, like with his little, he had like two little clumps mm. of hair. I was just like, yes, 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 yeah. yes. There's something about when the hair is that length and that like the headphone, like when there's something obstructing it or like, that makes it kind of like sit in a different way. That's just like mm, delectable. Yeah, I love it. Um, as you may recall, uh, my most controversial opinion is that bowl cut Timmy is the best Timmy. And of course I mean that a bit as a joke. You love bowl uh, cut. Cause I do love the bowl cut, but like this, this for me is prime <laughs> Timote hair. Um, I love it. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The late twenties are looking good on our boy. I got to mm-hmm. say it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well that, I believe does it for now our 22nd episode of Chasing Chalamet. Tori, thank you so, so, so much for returning. I mean, when I asked you, I reached out. It was an emphatic yes. Didn't even have to bully you, blackmail you. You were more than willing and ready to come on. So, so happy that you were here. Um, You have so, so much fun, exciting stuff going on 
in your professional life. Would you like to tell us a little bit of, about it, where people can find you on the internet if they so desire? Sure. Uh, I will always take your phone call to be on the show. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Her First Under K is my company and my brand. You can follow us at Her First Under K wherever you social media and uh, herfirstunderk.com. We have a podcast available wherever you're listening right now called Financial Feminist and a New York Times bestselling book also called Financial Feminist. And uh, yeah, I would just love to see you. Come come hang out. Awesome. Yeah, I will say I'm biased because I am Tori's friend, um, but I read her book. It's phenomenal. I listen to her podcast on the regular. It's phenomenal. I love the mission and the message of her first 100K. I opened up my own high-old savings account because of Tori. Um, I think that um, even just by you interviewed me on the Chicago stop of my book tour I as well. Did oh my god, which was because again this year has been crazy. But I know so much fun. Yes, Tori and I finally got to meet IRL in a little bookstore in Chicago called Women and Children First, and I got to interview her on her book tour, which was so so much fun. Um, can't wait for Tori to come out and visit us in Chicago again, and I need to make it up to the Pacific Northwest so she can show me around Seattle eventually too. But yes, just co-signing on all of Tori's projects, read her book, listen to her podcast. It is all fantastic stuff. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd at the Dane McDonald. Uh, this show is on Twitter and Instagram as well. On Twitter, we are Chalamet Chasing. On Instagram, we are Chasing Chalamet. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, love what you're hearing, please consider giving us a rating and review. Um, that really helps get the word out there and uh, share the show with others, friends, family, uh, whoever you think needs a little bit more Timothy Chalamet in your life. And let's be honest, that is everyone. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. Deal is spelled D-E-A-H-L. And until next time, later. <laughs>